You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We thought on paper the Cincinnati Bengals would be a win for the Chicago Bears, a team that maybe we could overlook a little bit looking ahead to week three against the Cleveland Browns. But the Bengals went out last week and beat the Minnesota Vikings in overtime, and all of a sudden this is not an opponent that you can just blow past or not take seriously. The Bears have a real challenge on their hands this week against Andy Dalton's former team. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter, at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, at LockedOnBears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook, join the Locked On Bears Facebook group, and make sure that you subscribe to the Locked On Bears YouTube channel as well to keep up with all of our video podcasts. On the show today, it is Crossover Thursday. So we're going to be joined by Jake Lisko and James Rapine from Locked on Bengals, and we're going to kind of split today's podcast in half. We're going to hear from James and Jake about the Bengals and how they performed last week, what we can expect from Joe Burrow, how the Bears, or what the Bears should do to try and slow down their offense and where they can maybe find some vulnerability in that Bengals defense. And then we'll also flip the script and, and they will ask me about the Bears and how the Bengals might fit into what Chicago is trying to do and kind of check in on Andy Dalton and their former quarterback as well. So a lot of fun stuff to get to here. And as we sort of go through the podcast, you'll see about halfway through, we'll, we'll flip directions here and go from sort of one half to the other of this crossover Thursday edition. And I think we'll learn a lot about both teams getting ready for this week one matchup. We've got plenty to get into, so let's jump right in with James and Jake. We're now joined by Lauren Cox from Locked On Bears as we dive into crossover Thursday. Excited to talk about our old friend, Andy Dalton. This is obviously where the conversation starts. It's at quarterback. Andy Dalton grilled by the Chicago media on Wednesday for his decisions or the design of the offense to not push the ball downfield. You still got Allen Robinson over there. And I know bears fans like Darnell Mooney as well. I also know bears fans like uh, that guy from Ohio state. What's his name again? I think it's a, a J name of some sort, but anyway, will we see much of Justin Fields? Will he be out there to take a shot play? Or if we do see him, to what extent do you think the Bears will roll him out in week two? And will it be a similar plan for week one where they're going to try to utilize his legs and utilize him in the quick game? Or are we going to see a shot play from Justin Fields this week? Matt Nagy was asked that exact question about, you know, is, is Justin Fields going to be the key to opening up this offense a little bit more? And he put a big smile on his face and said, I don't know, we'll see. And so it's as good of an indication as we can get that probably we're going to see some evolution there. I think last week it was a total of five plays for Justin Fields. And Nagy had said after the game that that was maybe even fewer than they had thought they would. But by the time they got late down the stretch, they were down a couple of scores on the scoreboard and wanted to kind of keep Dalton in the passing game in there and not go as much to Fields in some of those situations. So I would expect to see more, assuming the score is a little bit closer down the stretch than what it was against the Rams this past week. I think they're going to still keep it very sort of 
basic with him. It's it's not the normal offense of dropping back and going through a full progression necessarily. At least that's what we haven't seen yet so far. But he did throw. It was kind of a run pass option. He did a shovel pass as well. And then some more just like regular read option type running plays and did a good job with all those things in very small sample sizes. And I think it's slowly going to grow more and more, especially if Dalton and the offense otherwise aren't able to get things going as well on their own. Lauren, why are they kind of spoon feeding Justin Fields? Is it something with him? Is it the offensive line being as bad as it is, which we'll get to in a second? What is it? Because I got to be honest, I think if I gave the Bengals coaching staff truth serum and it was, are we going to go up against Andy Dalton or are we going to, and I asked them, are you going to go up against Justin Fields for 65 plays on Sunday? The the latter would be much scarier. Bears fans are left feeling the exact same way and left without like a good answer to that question, right? There was the first that thought of like, okay, it was Aaron Donald in week one and you don't want to throw your rookie quarterback out there to necessarily get eaten alive. And the offensive line actually played better than we expected. All, all things considered that the injuries and the opponent they were going against wasn't a complete disaster. And so then it, we're kind of left with the same question, right? You see Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson and some of these other rookie quarterbacks certainly have their, their bumps along the way, but they weren't, it wasn't as though the moment was too big for them or they weren't, you know, completely ready. I mean, those teams are rolling with it because they, they sort of have to. And because they, they, you know, these quarterbacks are good coming out of college and Justin Fields went through progressions at Ohio state ran an NFL offense. the very similar to the bears offense. There's all these reasons why it should work and it should make sense to have him out of the field. Then they sort of said, well, we want to do the Patrick Mahomes thing and make Andy Dalton our Alex Smith. But that kind of goes out the window when you put Justin Fields on the field and let him play these five snaps. So it's not just that he's sitting watching. He's getting some of those opportunities and he's doing those opportunities well. It doesn't fully add up for everyone. And that's the big frustration point in Chicago. Let's talk about that offensive line a little bit, because on the one hand, on paper, they look like a hot mess. You look at ESPN, you know, pass pro win rate. I think the bears were at 40%, even though, which was like bottom five, I think in week one, unless I'm misremembering that figure. And so you said they weren't so bad in week one. Is, is part of that because David Montgomery was so effective or are you talking in pass pro? Because David Montgomery suddenly was the most efficient runner in the NFL in week one by those same sort of advanced, you know, EPA metrics. So what's, what's going on with that offensive line? Yeah, so I would say it wasn't as though the Bears won the line of scrimmage, right? I mean, it was Aaron Donald in the front. The Rams' front seven is still very strong. I think there was this expectation in Chicago, this fear that, like, the, the offensive line would be such a disaster that they couldn't do anything they wanted offensively. And it felt like there were enough opportunities where Dalton had time to throw. He, he was sacked a few times. He was under pressure sometime. Like, it wasn't it wasn't a perfect game by any means. And there was there were challenges along the way, but it wasn't so disruptive that it ruined the Bears game plan. And then you combine that with David Montgomery running really well. The Rams schematically were kind of daring the Bears to run the ball. They didn't load up the box very much. A lot of, you know, two deep safeties and really like one off ball linebacker. And so if Montgomery got through to the second level, he usually was finding some room to run. And so he had a nice individual performance. I thought the offensive line was doing a decent job of at least helping him get through that initial wave. And, and it kind of added up to a nice running performance, but they felt far enough behind on the scoreboard that they couldn't really, you know, they couldn't hit that 20, 25 carry mark because it just wasn't going to be the most efficient way to, you know, score points in a hurry. And so then it came down to Dalton and, you know, down the stretch when they needed to throw, then it became a little bit easier for the opposing pass rush to get home and things fell apart a little bit more down the stretch. But again, it was good enough on the offensive line against the Rams front. And so then I think you can build some confidence on that moving forward against other teams that won't have quite an Aaron Donald lining up across from you. 
This Bears-Bengals matchup has a lot of different moving parts, clearly. And nobody knows more about moving parts than our friends at rockauto.com. They're a family business that have been serving auto parts customers online for over 20 years. They got everything you could possibly need for your vehicle. The complicated stuff like engine control modules and fuel pump assemblies to more of the easy stuff, you know, a tail lamp motor oil, even new carpet. So don't waste your time going into your chain store in your town to look for parts and you talk to the person behind the counter and they go look in the back and they don't even have it in stock so they have to order it anyway. Cut out the middleman, head on over to rockauto.com where all the prices are always reliably low. Rockauto.com doesn't charge people more if you're a professional mechanic or you do it yourself or like us. The prices are the same for everybody, unlike a lot of the part stores that'll have those lower prices for the professionals on the side. None of that. Rockauto.com Best prices around, I promise you won't beat them anywhere else. Head on over and see all the different parts available for your car or truck. Write the words locked on when you check out. They have a little box that says, how did you hear about us? Put the words locked on in there so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Lauren, what is Cincinnati native David Montgomery? How has he changed his game? Because it seems like midway through last year, if you just look at the numbers uh, up until this point, and obviously week one as well, he's had more success. What's different about him, if anything, and why has he been able to, to hit the ground running, so to speak? Well, of course, there's the, the famous graphic from when he was at Iowa State where it said, you know, feet of Saquon Barkley, vision of Le'Veon Bell. And, you know, he's, he's, finally, he's finally living up to the uh, – insane hype that came with that picture. No. So last year, halfway through the season, the Bears really changed things up schematically when they turned the play calling over to Bill Lazor, of course, the former Cincinnati Bengals offensive coordinator, uh-huh. now reunited with Andy Dalton in Chicago. Nagy is, again, the play caller, but they've kept some similar things from a schematic standpoint of trying to go into a little bit more of like a stretch zone, outside zone, and run some play action off of that as well. And then didn't do as much of that against the Rams. I think the Rams thing was a little bit more schematic, but he did talk this offseason about how he felt like he got faster. He changed some of his training regimen. I don't know if he exactly lost weight, but gained some muscle. And he had a, a 40-something yard run in the first quarter that the NFL Next Gen Stats said was the fastest David Montgomery had ever run on a run in his career. So like, we hear every offseason that players say they got faster. Every, every player says, I got bigger, faster, and stronger this year. But at least I think we have some objective data to show that maybe Montgomery did get just a step or so faster. And he's just running harder and more physical and, and not going down as easily on the first contact. Let's shift gears for a second, talk about this defense before we finish up here, Lauren. The clear strength of the Bears defense on paper appears to be Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks. If Eddie Goldman plays Eddie Goldman, you said before we started recording that he's very much questionable. You would lean away from him playing right now. Uh, Robert Quinn obviously provides a little bit of juice, but... On paper, you would think Jalen Johnson, Eddie Jackson, Tashawn Gibson maybe would be a solid core for a secondary, but they had issues in week one against Matt Stafford and Sean McVay and the Rams. When you look at this defense and you look at the matchup with the Bengals, where are you the most scared or, or where can the Bengals exploit this defense the most? The big thing the Rams had a lot of success on last week was play action and I mean, some of it was inflated by two busted coverages, and I wouldn't say that the play action caused the coverages to bust, but at the same time, tight ends, especially on crossing routes, were hitting the Bears. Roquan Smith and Alec Ogletree at linebacker, both were 
often finding themselves out of position, wanting to step up and stop that running game. So I'd start there first and foremost. Second of all, you know, deep downfield, it was just like communication issues between the safeties of, you know, if there's a deep post route that's going to kind of go in between two of them, whose responsibility is that when there's other routes on the other side of the field that one of the safeties has to kind of accompany with? There were some big problems on the back end between your two veterans in the secondary. Like everybody else, your cornerbacks are all in their first or second year. There's not a lot of experience. You might expect some issues there with just seeing new things from opposing offenses that they just haven't been exposed to that much in their career. But it was a big sort of scare for Bears fans that it's it's the nine-year pro and I think Eddie Jackson is fifth or sixth-year pro on the back end that are just out of position and not communicating. They, they just didn't touch a receiver who fell to the ground and he got up and ran into the, the end zone for a touchdown. That It's like day one high school football stuff that you, you, know, just, you would expect these kind of guys to know. So I think there first and foremost, and then the slot is a big question right now. Marquis Christians played there last week and gave up quite a few catches and a couple of touchdowns. They might move Duke Shelley in there. Both of those are names that Bengals fans will have never heard of and Bears fans had barely heard of entering this season. And that's where you see some of the problem there as well. But I think Jalen Johnson, definitely a strength on one side. The safeties are supposed to be a strength and we expect them to eventually get back to being a strength. But right now, big question marks all around. Excited to see Jamar Chase go up against Jalen Johnson this week. See if he can keep it going. Last question, Lauren. How do the Bears win this game? What should scare Cincinnati fans? Because the Bears are favored, right? So so how do the Bears win this game? I think they win this game if they stick with – I mean, I, I hate to be the, like, establish the running game guy because analytics say passing is always going to be more important. But with I think with Andy Dalton and Bengals fans know this, it's, it's so much about supporting cast, it's so much about – giving him time to throw, giving him a running game, giving him receivers that are going to make plays with the ball in their hand, and then, you know, defense doing its job there too. So if if they can get David Montgomery going again and make it so Dalton doesn't have to be a vertical passer, that the short passes can be good enough if they can just run the ball for four, five, six yards a clip every time, and then if the defense can just not, not bust coverages, like just do their basic job, right? There, there's a formula there for success. I don't think it's going to be as easy on paper as Bears fans maybe thought it was going to be entering the season, but I, I think – the, the pieces are there. Just just run the ball, take care of the football. You don't have to put up – ideally with Dalton, you shouldn't have to put up 35 points. If you can score a couple of touchdowns and maybe a field goal or two, that should be enough if the rest of the Bears supporting cast is up to the standard that they need to be, and certainly they weren't last week. All right, we're joined now by Jake Lisko and James Rapine from Locked on Bengals, helping us get ready for this Bears-Bengals Week 2 matchup. And Jake, let's start with you. When you look back at, at Bengals-Vikings, I think that was one on paper. The Bears fans maybe, you know, certainly know a lot more about Minnesota than Cincinnati, and, and we're surprised to see that go into overtime and, and have the Bengals finish out on top. Could you give us sort of your your 1,000-foot assessment of what exactly happened in that game? And then we can go into a little bit more specifics of, you know, Joe Burrow's performance and some of the things we can expect on Sunday. Before the Minnesota game, we were talking to your friend from the Lockdown Vikings podcast, Luke Braun, about some of the keys to the game. And to me, one of the big things was if the Bengals could slow down and or stop Dalvin Cook, the Minnesota offense would have a hard time if Kirk Cousins was just dropped back passing. And for some time, that was sort of the case. The Minnesota offensive line had a terrible time with the Bengals remade interior of the defensive line in particular with numerous holding penalties and false starts. And so maybe the bears don't have the false start issue at home as much, but DJ reader, Larry Yogan, Joby, Josh Tupo and BJ Hill were a handful for the Minnesota interior. And those guys were getting pressure on Kirk cousins and doing a great job in either making run stops themselves or freeing up linebackers to make run stops of their own at the second level. And the Bengals did a good job of containing for the most part, 
a really good running game and a really good running back in Dalvin Cook. And honestly, I think that's where a big part of it starts. They were also able to run the ball fairly well against, again, a defensive line in Minnesota that I think is fairly comparable in a lot of ways on paper. One good edge rusher, Daniil Hunter, Khalil Mack, there's a parallel. You know, the the Michael Pierce, Akeem Hicks parallel is there as well. So, uh, you know, Eric Kendricks, Roquan Smith, if you even want to go another level. And the, the difference is, you know, they have Harrison Smith in the back there. And according to you, Eddie Jackson, you know, well, we'll see. So uh, that's kind of the, the high-level view of it, right? The Bengals were able to run the ball okay. Joe Burrow hit a deep ball, was was good enough in his return to action. We're looking for him to take another step. It looked like the Bengals were easing him in a little bit, but really good play from the interior of the defensive line, really got the defense going in the right direction. And the the Joe Mixon efficiency and, and Joe Burrow efficiency when they did throw the ball was enough to get it done against the Vikings. Although I will say, you know, to some degree, they tried to give it away in the second half. Yeah, James, I wanted to go to Joe Burrow next. So, you know, you look at the stat line, it's it's high completion percentage. It's a decent yards mm-hmm. per attempt. It's a couple of touchdowns taking care of the ball. But it, it, I, I've heard this a lot from Bengals fans. I think even the PFF grades were not super complimentary on Burrow's performance either. Where do you sort of see progress and, and where are you still looking for more progress? Well, One, the fact that he was out there week one coming off of that injury, it was a win, right, in general, just big picture view. But, yeah, the the deep ball would be the big thing for me, the fact that he hit Chase in stride. It was a perfect throw, and that's what this offense needs to be. They need to have those big splash plays, and you see it week one in his return against the team that you were three, three three-and-a-half-point underdogs to at home. That's, uh, That's certainly a good start. Uh, unfortunately, it, it wasn't all sunshine and roses. He missed some throws. He missed Mike Thomas for what would have been another touchdown. And, and the the thing that really stood out in week one to me is the difference between last year and this year. Burrow, they managed him or they they were basically trying to do as much as they could to make sure he was comfortable. And that means getting Joe Mixon involved early. You didn't see a lot of downfield shots early in the game. In the first quarter, they didn't do much at all, really on offense from a passing standpoint. And it kind of tapered off as well towards the end of the game when he got tangled up and, and kind of dinged up there. So we'll see if they kind of take the reins, pull the reins off a bit more this week. Or maybe this is a first quarter, first half of the season type thing where they're going to ride Joe Mixon and let Joe Burrow be efficient, as you said, make some splash plays when he, you know, when it's called upon, but but really try to be more balanced than they were last year, which in one hand it's good, especially when you're talking about trying to keep Burrow healthy at the same time. I don't think you're necessarily maximizing uh, the value and potential of this offense if you're doing that. The Chicago Bears and Cincinnati Bengals opened up with the Bears as a two and a half point favorite at betonline.ag. The line is already moving and now the Bears are just a one point favorite at home against Cincinnati. The over under for that game is set at 45 points. The money line has Bears minus 135, but it keeps moving in the Cincinnati direction. The odds makers clearly not having a ton of faith in Chicago after their week one loss. And of course, the Bengals coming off of a win. It it makes sense that things might trend in that direction. So if you want to get in on the action, betonline.ag is the number one place we trust and the number one place we recommend. They've got all of the updated odds, props, and contests, and so much more beyond just pro and college football. you got basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer, tennis, you name it, they've got it at betonline.ag. 
When you sign up, don't forget to enter our promo code Locked On to get that welcome bonus. They'll match your first deposit to give you even more money to play with and win at BetOnline.ag. Your online sportsbook experts. So then, is is the idea if you're if you're sort of game planning against the Bengals from that side, is the plan then? just try and shut down Joe Mixon at this point and test uh, test Joe Burrow to to try and beat you at this point? Because it seems like he should be like, – I would expect him to be a, a good enough quarterback to say if you have to put the, the ball in his hands to beat you, he, he should be good enough. But then so then is it is it the injury and kind of coming back from that or are there some real questions there? Or, or Jake, how do you sort of assess how – what that strategy might be? Is it, is it purely just shut down Mixon and, and figure it out from there? That's uh, uh, in some ways a great question. I kind of smile when you're asking the question because I'm thinking, yeah, go ahead, try to sell out the sell out and stop the run, and yeah. the Bengals will be in eleven all game, and then they're gonna just do what they did last year and just throw it over your head because now they got a guy that apparently Joe Burrow can throw to deep in Jamar Chase. But I really wonder, right? How committed are the Bengals to the running game, to taking that pressure off of Joe Burrow, to taking that? you know, 50 throws a game, they're not going to do that, right? Maybe even if they're trailing, maybe even if they're trailing, they're going to be like, you know what? Joe's health is more important and we're not going to have them doing straight dropbacks in empty personnel anymore when the Bears can pin their ears back and send Khalil Mack after him. And it's not like Khalil Mack is completely unfamiliar with Riley Reef, who he's seen in the NFC North for years. So I guess he's only been there for a couple of years. I shouldn't say years, but uh, point remains... I do think that's a very interesting question for the Bears defensive coordinator and the Bears defensive game plan. If you do sell out to stop Mixon, last week I've said a few times on the Lockdown Bengals podcast down the stretch, the Vikings were selling out 100% to stop the run. Joe Mixon ripped off an 11 and a 12-yard run on the Bengals' last drive of regulation before they punted the ball and the Vikings got a game-tying field goal. I'm thinking to myself, take a shot play. The, The Vikings are selling out on the run. Instead, they hand it to Mixon again. And so that could just be we don't know how to finish games that we're winning and we're going to try to just run. They've, they've been running, you know, fairly well. Maybe we'll just keep running and get another first down. But to me, that's a place where, Hey, you take a shot play, get a touchdown. The game's over. That's all you need. Take a shot play, get a first down. The game's over. And so we didn't see that. So, um, you know, as weeks go on, we'll get a better idea of whether Joe Burrow is truly on a pitch count, so to speak, or how much this coaching staff to what, to what lengths they're willing to go to try to protect Joe. It seems like there's some real parallels here between what the Bears and Bengals maybe want or should be doing on offense compared to some of what they have been doing on offense. Obviously, Cincinnati having some more success than the Bears did last week. But James, when you, when you look at this Bengals defense, is, will the Bears have opportunities to go deep here? I mean, last week the Rams tried to keep everything in front for Chicago, and there's a big critical criticism point for Dalton and Matt Nagy that they were just throwing short, throw, throwing short, throwing short, and throwing short are there going to be opportunities there against this Bengals defense or are they going to try and keep everything in front in a similar way? Uh, I, I think that, you, you know, you could certainly try that, but yeah, they're going to put Jesse Bates back there. And I, I would be shocked if he wasn't just roaming back there mo- for most of the game and say, all right, you want to send it deep to Allen Robinson? Well, we're going to have 30 come over and, and try to make a play on the ball or, or make a, a big hit. And so to me, the Bengals, what they're going to try to do in this, after years of covering Andy and seeing it, they're going to try to get pressure up the middle like they did last week, make Andy uncomfortable and try to slip, uh, shut down David Montgomery. And if they can do both of those things, 
they'll feel comfortable with their secondary with Chidobe Awuzie on one side, Jesse Bates uh, in Von Bell at safety, and then even a guy like Eli Apple, who had an, an atrocious three-play um, series, I guess we'll say, three plays that were just awful leading to a Vikings touchdown last week. Uh, they're still confident in him despite that. So I think they feel pretty good in their secondary. And if that's the case, if that's what it is, is you know uh, a pressure, Andy Dalton under pressure trying to make plays downfield, uh, they'll certainly take it. Jake, I guess real quickly for both of you, I'd like to kind of hear both of your perspectives on this, but we'll start with Jake. How much how much advantage do you think there is for the Dalton familiarity? You know, is there still enough? I know it's it's a new coaching staff, but some similar players and just having been around that organization, do you think there is some sort of like familiar enough with Andy Dalton to have an advantage beyond just what everyone knows about Andy Dalton? I think the only player that still remains on the Bengals defense from when Andy was in Cincinnati might be Jesse Bates. At least, of, of I think Brandon Wilson was there too. He's a backup. But of, of the starters, I'm pretty sure. Oh, Sam Hubbard. Sam Hubbard and Jesse Bates. Those are those are the two guys that I think overlap. But in terms of familiarity with defense specifically, I think that the defensive scheme has changed significantly this year. And, and even to some degree last year for the Bengals, they're much more multiple than they used to be in, in a true sense of the world. I, a true sense of the word. I mean, you're seeing six-man, five-man fronts. You're seeing... Four man, you know, traditional four, three looks, three, four looks, odd looks, even looks. You're seeing three safeties, you're seeing two safeties. So, you know, they've they've been quite variable and and I don't recall them being quite so variable in this way in the past. Another thing that we saw against the Vikings that we didn't see so much in the past is we saw some corner shadowing. So to me, that signals some some scheme changes, at least to some degree. And so I'm not sure that Dalton's past with the Bengals being two years ago now is going to translate into a ton of familiarity with what they're doing on defense at this point. But, you know, uh, maybe, maybe things haven't changed as much as I'd like to imagine. James, what about, what about in the other direction? Just you know, the Bengals yeah. organization, knowing Dalton through and through, maybe being able to attack him in some different ways, or is it, is it the same kind of thing where two, two players in the starting lineup on defense aren't enough? Well, no, I, th I certainly think they have an edge there, at least as much of one as you could ask for. Zach Taylor did coach Andy, right, for a year in 2019. Brian Callahan did too. So there's familiarity there. They played against them last year, and he came into Paul Brown Stadium and kicked the crap out of them with that Dallas Cowboys team. Uh, it was the Joe Burrowless Bengals, right? So it was uh, when they were still reeling a bit. And so, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see. I do think there's some advantages, but – how much, I mean, a lot of it, I'm sure that, you know, there's a decade plus of film on Andy Dalton and his weaknesses and his strengths. And last year, they couldn't really exploit those weaknesses on defense because they had so many injuries. And this year, that that isn't the case. And I think they are capable of putting some pressure on him and getting some heat on him and, and making him make tough throws. And if they do that, I think they'll live with the consequences, good or bad. Excellent. It does seem like this is a little more of a straightforward game in terms of we kind of know what the two teams are looking to do and whoever can do it better will be the one that comes out on top. Gentlemen, really appreciate you joining us on the podcast today. Best of luck on Sunday. Thanks, Lauren. Thanks again to James Rapine and Jake Lisko from Locked On Bengals for joining us on the podcast today. If you enjoyed our conversation, make sure you subscribe to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Podcast is free and available on all platforms, including in video form on our YouTube channel. So make sure you're checking that out as well. On tomorrow's show, we'll put together a game plan. We'll dive into these Bengals matchups a little bit more specifically and find out 
where the Bears can try and take advantage of some Bengals weaknesses and where they might need to clamp down on some Cincinnati strengths as well along the way. So I hope you'll tune back in for that tomorrow. I hope you'll keep following along the podcast all season long through the ups and downs, whether it's Dalton or Fields and whatever this Bears defense does as the season goes through. Podcast will be right here to make it just a little bit easier for you to bear down.